Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. Also, if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, time to get into our show. We have Arne Sanadella joining us today. Arne, welcome. How's it going? Hey, good. Happy to be here. Great to meet you guys and looking forward to talking real estate, something I love to do and hopefully uh, can help your listeners understand investing a little better and motivate them on their journey also. Perfect. Well, before we head into the interview, here's a little bit about Arne. Arn has 42 years of real estate experience. He has completed over 20 fix and flips, two condo conversions, and three land subdivisions. Arn offers superior knowledge of real estate markets, expert counseling, skilled negotiating, and a desire to place his clients' interests first. Sounds like we get to pick your brain a bit on a variety of different topics. So Arn, before we get started, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Basically a full-time real estate investor primarily in single family homes and smaller two to four unit properties. Currently, I probably own 10 to 12 properties, maybe total of about 20 doors. And I'm looking to transition my portfolio into multifamily properties, both as a limited partner and as a general partner, also interested in helping other people make the same transition as I am. Perfect. Well, I can't wait to pick your brain with over 42 years of experience. So the first question I'm going to ask, what's your biggest lesson learned through your 42 years of experience in real estate? So I'd say the biggest lesson learned is real estate is a long-term proposition. And I think you need to view it that way. And I think if you approach it that way, invariably, you're going to win. If you let kind of time, population growth, inflation work for you, real estate's going to prove to be a good thing for you. I think in today's society, with the 24-7 news cycles, we just get distracted and feel fear of like little current events going on. And yes, they're important. But I think if you can keep focus on the long term, on the fundamentals, belief in the economy, belief in real estate, and you just keep investing over time, you're going to come out ahead. You're going to do well. So I think kind of slow and steady. Don't get distracted. Just keep moving in the positive direction. Yeah, great advice. So in your 42 years, you've been a realtor, broker, appraiser, and have taken some CCIM courses, which is amazing. I'm actually thinking about taking those CCIM courses as well. So would love to pick your brain about that after. But do you think having this type of experience helps you from a passive standpoint and why? Yes, 
I was trained as a scientist, have a master's degree in chemistry from Michigan, but went into real estate soon after I got the degree, sold real estate in my home, Menlo Park, California, which is basically Silicon Valley in the San Francisco Bay Area. And that's what I've done since the age of 22. I'm now 66. And so I've been in real estate. I've invested. I've worked with tenants. I've renovated property. I've done 1031 exchanges. I've owned lots of different properties, both in the Bay Area and across the country. And real estate's sort of my thing. It would be the same thing, kind of asking a doctor, well, what have you learned after 40 years of being a doctor? It could take a couple of days to kind of go through it all. The terminology, the language, the definitions, kind of how real estate is analyzed, how you analyze markets, how you determine fair market value, fair rental value. That's something that I've done, you know, my entire adult life. So when I'm looking at passive investments as a limited partner, I can rely on that personal firsthand experience in evaluating various transactions, various opportunities, and also in talking to the operators, because I've been in this industry, this is kind of what I know. If what people tell me makes sense, there's an element of trust. If it doesn't make sense, then maybe I, I have some concerns. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's that paralysis analysis to it as well? If someone is trying to over-educate themselves, I mean, you always see some people that are just educating themselves five, six years down the road, right? And they still haven't done anything. What can you tell those people? Because you have years and years of experience. So over those 40 years, yes, you've built up all that experience, but how much education do you really need to get yourself started in real estate? So I would say being in the arena maybe failing, falling down, getting punched in the gut, but being actually out there in the trenches in the real world, negotiating purchases, working with tenants, seeing property, evaluating property, renovating property. So I think there's no substitute for kind of practical hands-on experience I haven't been one who suffered from paralysis. What do you what did you call it? Per, uh, analysis or paralysis analysis or analysis? <laughs> yeah, paralysis, okay, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. So it, that hasn't been one of my issues because I think if you're a passive investor, my suggestion would be is you do get a little bit of education. Listen to some great podcasts like yours. There's many others. I think I was first introduced to you perhaps on Whitney Sewell's podcast and we're fellow golfers. And I loved your story of driving at 2 a.m. to look at property, you know, from Los Angeles. So I think you can get some education podcasts. Certainly there's a lot on the web and you should educate yourself. But really the best way to kind of learn it is make one or two investments and just kind of see how it goes. That's how I think you're going to learn, see what the operator does, see what the issues are that come up. 
And so I think you kind of got to get in the game to some degree, at least get your toe wet and you get that practical kind of real life experience, which is, you know, irreplaceable in my mind. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So I talked to a ton of different passive investors and it seems like their criteria is all over the board. Depends on where they got trained from, where they got their education and also what their family situation is like. How did you come up with your criteria? And if you wouldn't mind, what is your criteria? Well, that's a good question. And I'm not surprised that people's criteria varies. I'm 66. So I'm at a different life stage than many people. And I may tend to be a little bit conservative by nature. My investing approach has always kind of been aim for line drive base hits and just keep hitting line drive base hits over 5, 10, 15 years. You're going to come out, you're going to be in great shape, you're going to, you know, have financial security and all of that. So, given that I'm a little conservative, in my investing and also that I'm older. So for me, capital preservation now is more important than capital growth. Where somebody at the age of 30, they probably want capital growth as a primary function. Where I'm at now, I'm kind of looking more at cash flow. The hysterically I've invested for capital growth, equity growth, net worth, building the nest egg. So I'm not looking to hit home runs. So for me, a passive investment, if I can get 7 8% cash on cash return, 13 14 15% IRRs, that's perfectly fine. I don't need to be super aggressive at this point. And so I think my approach is a little bit more conservative. Though I could certainly see somebody at the age of 35, 40 in the peak of their earning years, the peak of their careers, they maybe want to get a little bit more aggressive and invest accordingly. Yep. So now that we're kind of going through a downturn, you know, over the last five years, the market's just, you know, has done really well. So are you basically just looking for what is just like you said, conservative now, maybe aggressive when you were younger, or does the economy kind of change those things for you? I don't see any way the economy doesn't change things for you, mm-hmm. right? I think you make a very good point. Over the last 10 years until COVID, we had a phenomenal economic boom and everybody did well. Real estate did great. Properties, apartment buildings were able to be turned over in two, three, four years because rents were going. I don't think we're in that environment now. Part of it is partially COVID. The other part is economics have cycles. And being in the business 40 years, I've been through two or three, four cycles. So I have a little perspective. Somebody who got into the real estate business 2013 has only seen it go up, 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 and they don't really have any experience when it gets slower. So I think we are going to be in a period of time where the economy is not going to do as well. Rent increases are probably not going to be quite as strong. So I think one needs to adjust their expectations accordingly. You're in the business and you may know better than I, but I would say 
two, three years ago, people probably expected 17, 18% IRRs. And that was kind of par for the course to use a golf term. I don't think we're going to necessarily see that now. And maybe the more realistic expectations, 13, 14% IRRs, I have to adjust and I would advise most people just to kind of adjust their expectations. The other thing, of course, is we really have no control over the economy, right? So is all we can do is make our best decisions and operate these properties as best we can, but there are factors outside our control that are going to impact our return. Yep. And and I think also on the time frame, you kind of mentioned it there. I think three years ago, people were just okay with a five-year standard hold. And then over the last two years, it's actually squeezed to three. They'd like to see three to five years, when now we're probably looking at more of a five to seven-year hold to get those kind of returns too. So I definitely agree with you when it comes to adjusting expectations. Yes. What about from a property class type? Do you like A, B, or C class right now? And have you diversified your portfolio at all within the classes or do you believe in a certain asset class? It's a great question and one of the great things about being a passive investor is the ability to diversify your investments. You can put a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit there. So to date I've made four passive investments. I've committed to two others. And what I would say, two of them are basically Class A, Core Plus, 2014-2018 builds, right? Tenant medium incomes of eighty-five to 90000 So I've done two Class A. And then I would say I probably have two good solid class B investments, the two that are coming down the road that will fund shortly, they're actually more class C value add. And so I like the ability to diversify. My preference, my predilection would be generally more to class A and B I think I have a fair number of those, so I'm willing to do one or two class C's with the value add. The other thing is they're geographically dispersed. Utah, Colorado, North Carolina, two in South Carolina and one in Georgia. So I think that's another great thing with passive investments is being able to invest in growth areas across the country, because I think with diversification, there's some element of safety there that I particularly appreciate. And I know there's a debate within the industry, what class is more recession resistant. I tend to think A and B is, but I know there are others who are think class C is really the better place to be. Mm -hmm. When you talk about the diversification from a geographical standpoint, how much research do you do about each of those markets? You know, obviously the sponsor is going to be the one that's the expert in that market and needs to know it like the back of their hand. But from a passive investor standpoint, how much research are you digging in? Because you definitely still want to know that that's a strong market and you can find a lot of information both on probably the positive and negative of any market. Yes. So 
I think it's fairly easy to gain market information on the web, things like top 20 cities to live in or top 20 best markets for job growth, quality of life, income levels. So I think through the web, you can get a fairly good sense of what's going on. And so what I often do is, so Huntsville, Alabama is a market that I've been interested in. I've been there twice here in the last six months. Haven't been able to find anything to buy, which is a bummer. But before I went, you get on the web, you maybe subscribe to the local newspaper, and you can kind of track what's going on. You see what businesses are coming in, what developments are coming in. There's always kind of list as the fastest growing market. So I think you can educate yourself about the market, even if you can't get there. Okay, good. So earlier you mentioned you're shifting your portfolio from your smaller multifamilies and your single family homes into multifamily. So I'm doing the same thing. So I understand that thought process. What's your thought process behind it? Why did you decide to go that route? Great question. What I do every year, I kind of, well, I maintain a spreadsheet with all my properties, kind of market value, loan, equity, income. And so I have it all on one page. And so I kind of review that at the start of every year. And my rentals typically have been more appreciation plays coming from the Bay Area and even where I am now in Greenville, South Carolina, it's not really a cash flow market. So the properties have done great. They've appreciated in value. I've had great tenants. But when I looked at my actual net income, my cash flow, compared to the equity I had in those properties, the return I was getting on my equity wasn't that large. And I felt I could do better in multifamily, at least two or three percent, maybe and sometimes double. So I think as I'm going from appreciation to cash flow and the scale is changing, where I'm now more focused on cash flow, moving to multifamily made a lot of sense to me. The other factor is I've generally self-managed all of my rentals. I'm in real estate. It's not a big deal. I'm out and about. But honestly, as time's gone on, I'm kind of less enamored about managing individual properties. So I think scaling into multifamily allows you to get professional management at a much more affordable rate. There's economies of scale that kick in there. The other factor is on these larger multifamily deals and the availability of agency debt, it's superior to what I could get if I just bought a single family home, right? I'm not going to get 2.75, 12 years fixed with three years interest only on my typical kind of commercial loan, which would probably be four and a half, four and three quarters, 20-year Amherst with a five-year balloon. So I think the financing on multifamily. So cash flow, less day-to-day management responsibility, and probably financing. 
And I think there's a great need for affordable housing in this country. And so with home prices getting so high in so many metropolitan areas, I just think the demand for rental housing is going to be strong. And I think we've kind of had a little bit of shift in society. Somebody my age, the dream might have been have the house in suburbia with the big yard, where somebody maybe 25 today, their dream is to travel the world and live in eight different countries. And so buying the house in suburbia isn't their dream. And so I think that's also part of what's happening that makes multifamily attractive. Yep. What about any other asset classes? Are you interested in any other ones? And will you eventually diversify? Or are you sticking with multifamily? Well, that's a good question, too. So a lot of my friends want me to go into mobile home parks. And I understand the numbers look pretty good. And there's certainly some advantages. I just can't go there whatever. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's just my personal feeling. I think the one class or one asset that I might shift into would be self-storage. There's a lot that appeals to me. You don't have as much maintenance. The buildings are pretty simple. There's not so much concern about landlord-tenant laws. So I think there's some attraction to self-storage. I came up as a residential real estate broker, and that's what I've done. That's what I know. And I think at this point, there's probably not a lot of reason for me to switch. But, you know, maybe I'll make a self-storage investment or two, but I think that might be about it. This podcast is sponsored by Bullpen. Bullpen is an online marketplace where you can find and hire top-notch commercial real estate analysts on an hourly or part-time basis to support your deals. The analysts on Bullpen have various skill sets from office brokerage in Topeka to multifamily development in New York and everything in between. We use Bullpen as a second set of eyes on all of our underwriting. Find your next analyst using Bullpen at www.bullpenre.com. Use our promo code APTCAPITAL when you sign up to receive a $100 credit towards your first hire. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Well, it's a pretty simple one. I would say my iPhone and my iPad. Without those, life would be very different and conducting work and business would be very different. So it would be very hard to do what I do. So the technology with the cell communication makes my life easier, makes me more productive. So I'd say that's my favorite tool. Tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? My biggest mistake was maybe about a year ago, I bought a duplex here in Greenville with the intention of renovating it and keeping it as a long-term rental hold. It's an improving area. I own other rentals in the area. 
So I went to the city to get permits to do the renovation and they go, well, since the cost of the renovation exceeds the value of the property, we want you to meet current zoning. And the current zoning single family, even though there are duplexes all up and down the street. So they wouldn't let me renovate the property the way I wanted as a duplex. So then I switched gears and came up with a plan to renovate it as a single family. Then I just kind of got tired of it. So I sold it to a builder, lost a couple thousand dollars. So, so the lesson would be check the zoning first. If the property was in California in the Bay Area where I'm from, I definitely would have checked it. I didn't expect to kind of run into the same thing in, in Greenville, South Carolina, but I did. And it was a good lesson, but it didn't hurt me too bad. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Well, my life's pretty good. So uh, I don't know that I need to make any fundamental changes. I am really excited about moving into multifamily. Yes, I've been in real estate a long time, but I feel very passionate about it. And I figure I'm going to live another 30 years, right? And there's so much more to do. So I want to grow in my knowledge, say, in the multifamily space, be able to help other folks like me kind of create the life they want. After decades of hard work, there should have to be a payoff. And so I think helping people create passive income is one way to do it. You can't spend your principal in retirement. You need to keep making income. And then I think the other part of it is I have two sons who are probably about your guy's age, and they're struggling a little bit, haven't quite found their way, but I'd like to kind of build this business so that when they're ready, they can kind of join me and take it over, and that would be sweet and really make me happy. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Love that. Finally, Arne, where can people find out more about you? Sure. So... The name of my company is Spark Investment Group. Uh, The URL is investwithspark.com. You could email me at arn at investwithspark.com or my cell 650-575-6114. Perfect. Well, thanks for sharing your experience with us, both as an active and passive investor. Congrats on all the success and thanks for being on our show. Yeah, you're very welcome. Great to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks, Arn. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.